Welcome to the Church's Changing Podcast. I'm Beth Estock, your host for today, and I'm excited to interview Corey Turnpenny. She's the pastor at Church in the Wild in Windsor, New York, and this is going to be a really fantastic interview. I've never met Corey before, so this is our first conversation together, but I'm really excited to learn more about her new start. It's sponsored by the United Methodist Church, but the community is interfaith. They have no building, but they do a lot of awesome things in the wild. So welcome, Corey. Thanks so much. So I have a lot of questions here for you. To begin with, how did you come up with this idea of having church in the wild? Well, as I think most new church starts, there's a story here, if you'll indulge me. Yes, please. And I I realize a large portion of the listeners are probably United Methodist, so I I won't go into too much background on the environment from which this, this idea came forth, but we're all aware of the state of our denomination, and I was a part of the UMC Next conference conversations that happened what feels like so many years ago now, but it was just three or four years ago, I believe. And on my way back from that conference at Church of Resurrection, you know, we had spent several days dreaming about the future of our denomination. What what could it be? What could it look like? And I re- was driving home late at night, really sort of complaining to God <laughs> that I was feeling ready to do something new. I was appointed to a traditional rural congregation, which was lovely, had been there six years at that point, was feeling ready for something new, but was not feeling excited about any of the possibilities that might be available in the coming years. And I felt as though God suggested, well, you could start your own church. (laughs) And immediately I said, no, 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 (laughs) no. I never wanted to be a church planter. It sounded like far too much work. (laughs) And then I said, Besides, what would that even be like? You know, the, the idea had, had caught my my interest and wouldn't leave me alone for several weeks. And every everything I thought of was just a bad idea. You know, I would, I would think about it and then I would say it out loud. And I immediately I would say, no, that, that's bad. That's not going to work. And then I was with my clergy covenant group at our annual conference, and I heard myself say, I just want to be the pastor at Sky Lake. And it it felt like God said, oh, there you go. That's it. (laughs) You know, that's the idea that that you've been circling around for the past couple of months. So Sky Lake is my spiritual home. It's a camp and re- United Methodist Camp and Retreat Center in Windsor, New York, that I grew up attending and then worked at through college and was luck- lucky enough to be appointed near in the same 
district at my first church. So I'm still able to, I was still able to return and, and volunteer. And as soon as I heard those words, I knew we could do a worshiping congregation there that was focused on nature and, and on connecting with God in creation and caring for creation. And then it was overwhelming, all of the ideas and the excitement that that came with every new conversation I had. And I sort of felt like I was just holding on for the ride at that point in terms of getting started. There is a network of these churches. The Wild Church Network has been around for a few years now, and I had sort of been keeping an eye on them online for a while and and then got more connected to find out what are other people doing? How are other churches or congregations doing out primarily outdoor worship without a building? And after some conversations with that group, I found out that no one at that time in in that network was doing it as their full-time ministry. And they all they were all like, "Oh, you want to you want to do this like full-time as your only source of income? Good <laughs> luck." So it's it's been fun. I've luckily been able to make connections with other people who are also doing it full time every week as as the main worship service for their community. And and the network continues to grow over time. So I'm excited to hopefully inspire some others to to try this wild thing, too. So when did you first get appointed full-time to this church in the wild? How many years has it been? Uh, we just celebrated our first anniversary of weekly worship. So we launched weekly worship last June, and that's when I my appointment changed to be solely at Church in the Wild. I had a year where I was doing part-time Uh, at my traditional church and part-time with Church in the Wild before we were worshiping, doing that lovely background work of building community and and starting a a church with all the legal documents that have to be done. So I I was thankful for my previous church to be so gracious to allow for that and and graciously said goodbye to me as they knew I was was following the spirit's call. I love what you said that you know you were kind of wholly agitated uh thinking about well okay god you're pointing me in some direction I don't know what it is and I'm circling around all these ideas and oh that's they're just not uh resonating with me and then boom it happened and then it's like you're riding the wave of grace mm-hmm. and you're holding on for dear life because it's like the universe is conspiring in your favor and all these things are happening. So with that said, 
I just want to slow it down a bit and first ask you, what is your vision for Church in the Wild? What when you first got that, okay, this this is it, what was that vision? The vision was a spiritual community that cared about the environment as sort of our unifying value that that brought us together and that want you know a group of people that really wanted to spend time outdoors that wanted to worship outdoors and slowly as we we began building we started to formalize that a little bit more so we're passionate about connecting with and caring for creation and we say that we're on a mission following the spirit through creation adventure and restoration so those are sort of our our three focuses that sounds just so renewing and beautiful and i don't know just inviting absolutely so who's who's being drawn to this ministry right now yeah it is so interesting that you you know, to say, oh, it sounds inviting, because that's, that's how nature feels to all of us anyway. And I think that's sort of this universal feeling for so many people that, you know, you ask, where have you experienced God lately? And, and it's almost always something to do with nature. So that's, that's a large focal point for us in terms of who's drawn to us, people that want to be in nature. Early on, we we got some feedback from somebody who came for the first time and they said, my whole life, I have felt spiritually homeless mm-hmm. and this feels like coming home. And that, that was it. We were like, oh, that's who we are. We're a home for the spiritually homeless. So we exist as a community for the people who don't feel at home in other probably more traditional expressions of faith. They can feel home at Church in the Wild. We also have a lot of people who are kind of our double dippers. They go to morning church and then they come because we meet at 4 p.m., then they come in the afternoon for for a very different experience. And it, it's sort of an addition to their, their spiritual life. And several of those people are, in fact, clergy who get a chance to just come and worship. Mm. And it's I think it's truly different enough that they could disengage from their you know, work brain, you know, we very rarely are ever doing the lectionary text. <laughs> so they, you know, there's no comparing for for clergy coming in saying, oh, we did this today, or I would have done that because it's such a different experience. So yeah, we primarily are seeing folks who who feel like they've finally found a spiritual home, folks who are adding this in, to their spiritual life and and clergy who get a chance to just worship. So you said it's a different experience. Tell us a little bit about what happens at four o'clock on Sunday afternoon at Church in the Wild. 
So we, we set up in the round next to the lake at Sky Lake. Um, sometimes we're in between the big trees and sometimes we're um, on the patio. Or if it's raining, we go to one of the huge covered porches that they have. But we set up some benches and people bring their their lawn chairs. And we have a small stack of wooden crates that we set up as our altar. And so we gather with some, you know, welcome, sharing the basics, logistics. And then we sing our theme song, which we have claimed, The Tide is Rising, that was written by a rabbi specifically for the environmental justice movement. And as we sing, we collect things around us from nature and we put them on our altar. And we have a jar of water and we have a candle or a lantern burning. So we make sure we have all the elements present with us. And we hear a poem. We hear wisdom, sometimes ancient, sometimes modern, from various traditions. We have a nature connection moment. So, you know, what are we what are we specifically learning from the creation around us or somewhere in our world, you know, what are, what can we learn from plants and animals? And we share, there's a message shared and we have a time of meditation, guided meditation. And we, we end with a traditional Celtic blessing, deep piece of running wave to you, you know, that goes through the, the various elements and the peace that they can lead us into and the source of peace. And so it's this really beautiful, very relaxing time. The kids go play with the childcare provider on the hill and they play games and read books. And there's often a dog with, with us in the circle. And we, we feel very connected to one another and, and to the land. What happens in the wintertime in all that snow? <laughs> yeah, we are in upstate New York, so that is real. We are so lucky to have such a great relationship with Skylake. Their director, Matt Williams, is on our board and um, just welcomed us with open arms, was thrilled with this idea. It's a huge, hugely mutually beneficial uh, relationship. We have brought over a hundred people together for worship through our first year, and most of them had never been to Sky Lake before. Mm. It's about 30 minutes from our closest small metropolitan area. And so it really brings people out of their their routine into the wild. And so in the winter, we were welcomed indoors into their various lodges with big windows where we could still see the outdoors and we could have a fire going. And then we made the decision in January and February to do Zoom worship together, which, of course, many churches have have done now. 
And that was really wonderful because we could welcome people from across the country to join us. We had speakers from across the country join us. And we, we decided, though, to be sure to still meet in person for, we called it our Sunday saunter. So we met a little earlier in the day at noon when hopefully it was a little bit warmer. And we would walk through our local nature preserve. So we were moving, keeping warm that way. Uh, and still got our nature time in and then had a time of worship online. I love that, the Sunday saunter. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that idea. I actually miss it a little. It, it, it's funny, <laughs> the other day I went to the nature preserve and I thought, oh, this, this sort of makes me miss winter, <laughs> which has never <laughs> happened before. Well, I am really curious. You uh, shared with me that you have an animal icon and it's the blue heron. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the blue heron as your animal icon? So the way it got started is is kind of funny. We were doing a series of YouTube videos interviewing our board members, but they were kind of comedic. We called it Between Two Furs. So it was similar to the Between Two Ferns, <laughs> two ferns. comedy uh, <laughs> interviews. Um, so we were Between Two Furs and just as a fun way of introducing our board to the public as we were getting started. And we would ask each of them, you know, what what do you think the mascot should be for Church in the Wild? And so they said various animals. And then during... That first year before we started worshiping together, we did a crowdfunding campaign. And part of that was to vote for the animal mascot that was were uh, nominated by all of our board members. So we had like the red squirrel and the heron and a couple of different other other animals. And the blue heron received the most votes in by way of donations and so we sort of jokingly were said oh okay the blue heron's now our mascot and since then we have had some truly holy encounters with great blue herons so there there was there was something else going on in in that circumstances that brought the blue heron to us there there are a few that will fish in Sky Lake. So we saw one early on. And then we also lead retreats. And at one of our retreats, we saw four fly right over our heads as we were just beginning our, you know, first nature walk of the retreat. And it was, it was a, it was a holy moment. And everyone there you know, it sounds it sounds sort of mundane. Oh, there were four flu- blue herons that flew overhead, but but trust me when I say it was a really ho- holy moment and something I've never seen before. And then we were actually we had a solstice sing at a park in the nearest city, Binghamton, and so as we're watching the sunset and singing songs and and meditating, a blue heron flew overhead and we were pretty far from from where you usually see them so we keep 
keep getting these signs of the spirit being with us wherever we might be. And you've also said that you have canonized your own saints. Yeah, why not? So tell us, yeah, why not? So tell us a little bit about, um, you know, the, the wonderful ride of the unfolding of that grace in your midst. Yeah. It actually, I forget who it started with, but we mentioned it was either Jane Goodall or Mr. Rogers. It was one of their <laughs> birthdays. And we said, oh, you know, it's the birthday of this this great person. Isn't that wonderful? And somebody said, oh, yeah, they they should. They're one of our saints. And and then it happened again the next week. I think then that next week was Fred Rogers. And we said, yeah, we should just make a list of our own saints. Why not? You know, people that inspire us, that we want to lift up as being wild saints uh, for this wild community. And so we we had Mary Oliver and Fred Rogers, Rachel Carson, Marsha P. Johnson, and Bell Hooks, and a local saint who... Uh, Reverend Ruth Underwood, the first woman ordained in our conference and one of the founders of Skylake. Uh, so we've we've been lifting up these these wonderful people and and taking ceremonious votes to elect them, <laughs> to canonize them as our saints. And the list just keeps growing now all the time. Someone will say to me, oh, what about this person or that person? And so I'm sure we'll do another series of of Wild Saints again. I love that. So you've been at it full time for a year. Um, what are you learning? What uh, What's surprising you? Oh, gosh. I feel like I'm learning a lot about the future of the church. One of the the really refreshing things that that felt like a reminder maybe more than learning it for the first time. But as I, as I broke out of the traditional church world and started, you know, building this alternative spiritual community and meeting people. And as you know, we also were doing a lot of work around like figuring out our name and, and, you know, our core values and, we talked a lot about our name and how the word church was hard for people mm. who might really be drawn to something like this. And we still, we still, you know, bump up against this pretty often that people will he- just hearing the word church will immediately put up some walls. But we didn't want to ever have a bait and switch situation where somebody thought they were coming to like an outdoors club and all of a sudden we're talking about God. You know, we really wanted to be clear about this is a spiritual community. And, and you know, I think part of the hope was maybe we could reclaim the word church or bring a, a new understanding to it for some people. And so 
in meeting all of these these people who have felt uh, like outcasts in, in traditional religious environments, their depth of spirituality is so refreshing. Hmm. I mean, these are folks who have had to go it alone, who have not had a spiritual community. And so their spiritual practices are inspiring to me as a clergy person. And and I have learned so much from them and in sharing together from various traditions. We have a lot of former Catholics, former evangelicals with us who still, you know, don't claim the title Christian uh, because of the harm they experienced. We have pagans, we have agnostics, atheists, Buddhists, folks from Hebrew backgrounds, just an incredible mix of, of perspectives that we get to hear and share. And I, I have just learned and grown so much. And it's, it's, it's been a challenge as someone, you know, trained in seminary as a United Methodist pastor, it's been really challenging and stretching for me. And I I feel like I've grown spiritually through just this first year in, in learning the deep history of the connections people have had with the earth and, you know, learning a lot about native spirituality and Celtic spirituality these things really help inform what we're doing uh, because we're sort of returning to some of those old ways of, mm-hmm. of relating and worshiping together. So how has your concept of what it is to be a leader shifted for you this year as you're saying yes to the unknown? Hmm. Yeah, that was so important. Um, Early on, we set our core values and, you know, just sort of brainstorming it all. I was passionate about saying, not patriarchal. (laughs) What is is the word that is not the patriarchy? And finally, we realized it's communal. Hmm. Right? So how... Do we function as a communal organization? And I asked, I said, have we, have any of us ever been part of an organization that was truly communal or outside of the patriarchal framework? I was hard pressed to think of, you know, within education, the church, there's all these systems and institutions that are, you know, centuries old in, and have always been led in that patriarchal mindset that there's one person with all the knowledge at the front mm-hmm. of the church. Everybody is facing that person. Uh, just, you know, our architecture even emphasizes it. So we tried, we're still trying to figure out what does it look like to be a communal organization you still need a leader, right? You can't make deci- every decision by committee. 
because that wouldn't work. So I'm entrusted with the day-to-day. We have a great board that meets regularly and we talk and discern together and different people oversee different specifics, but we all, we're we're sort of using the the one board model (laughs) and we all get a chance to add to the conversation. So worship is, as I said, set in the round. We can see each other and we start right away at the beginning, sharing with each other something that's new and good in our life to keep ourselves focused on those things and to remind ourselves that there are good things happening and to share with each other, uh, you know, what's going on in each other's lives to really connect as a community. And then throughout, you know, if there's questions, people just raise their hand or ask and throughout the message, you know, I, I, I'm asking a lot of questions of people, so I don't, don't often have a lot of answers for anyone, uh, but they have some incredible <laughs> thoughts and wisdom that we, we share together every Sunday. So it's, it's definitely, yeah, a different way of leading, but has been really exciting and fun. It reminds me of the story in the book of Acts of Peter um, having the dream of, you know, the sheet lowering with all of the different foods that as a a, a good Jew would not eat. And, mm. you know, the invitation to move beyond the tradition and with curiosity walking and wa- wondering, why am I being led to go to a, a, a Gentile's home? Like, you know, this is highly unusual. Jews just don't do this. And yet, here I am, and I don't even know why. And what he does is he just says, well, why am I here? <laughs> and there's a, there's a communal learning. It's not a one-way street. It's a both and. And in that, they witness Pentecost yet again. And that's what I hear you saying in this new concept of leadership. It's it's a deep listening to what longs to spring forth and an honoring of it from all the voices as we discern together, where's the spirit going and how is it leading us? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Okay, let's see. What else do I have on my list? Oh, okay. Let's get down to brass tacks now. So we've heard all this great, like, oh, I'm just ready to go to Windsor and join you one of these Sundays. <laughs> what is your funding structure? Like, let's, like, if somebody wanted to do this, how, how are you making it happen? We are fortunate in that our conference, it has some funds available to support new faith communities. That's what were referred to in our conference. So we get a portion of our, not not even quite 50% of our budget from our conference. And that was last year. This year, it's gone down a little bit. And the hope is that next year, it will still be there and it will go down a little bit again to, you know, to help us become self-sustaining. And so the rest 
We have fundraised through just members giving. We really encourage online, uh, you know, set up your automatic donation and then you can just set it and forget it. We do a crowdfunding campaign now. We've done it two years around Earth Day. And we are very open and, and let everyone know that every year we choose a different local organization who we support with 10% of all donations. So, uh, you know, when you support us, you're supporting others uh, because we all exist together in community. We do lead some retreats which doesn't make a lot of money for us, but it helps support Sky Lake, which is one of our goals. And we give back to them in service hours as well. And we have recently begun reaching out to lo- other local churches to support us and to think of us as missionaries to the earth. Oh, beautiful. So we do monthly at least once a month, usually two different projects are happening every month where we are helping to work for environmental and social justice in the community. So we partner with various community organizations. Right now we're building a meditation garden at our local crisis respite house. Um, so it's just incredible thing in our community where people can go for free if they're having a mental health crisis and stay for, you know, a few days to a month or so. And we thought they could really use some healing space in nature. So they have this wonderful Mm. backyard and now we're making it a a beautiful, hospitable place to, to just be and to connect with creation and the creator whether you know that or not i you know we feel like they're gonna get some spiritual care there so different ways like that we are we are work, doing the work and you know we really see that as something local churches might want to support to say we don't have you know mission focus on environmental stuff we don't have those capabilities a lot of churches have their niche of of mission and service uh and so we're out there doing the work and you can support that financially which has been which has been great we have a couple uh local church supporters and we're certainly always welcoming uh to others who want to support this type of work well, Corey, uh, given that, tell us how do we, if people want to know more about your ministry, where do, where where can they find you? Churchinthewild.org has a, a, a lot of the information that you, you could want to know about worship, about who we are as a community, events, retreats, and from there, there's also links to our social media, Facebook, Instagram. There's regular updates all the time with inspirational reminders and, you know, event reminders and, and weekly worship information being shared. 
Thank you, Corey, for sharing this vision of Church in the Wild today. It's very exciting. It is innovative. And you said it best when you said, I'm learning so much about the future of the church Mm -hmm. and how people are showing up and sharing the depth of their wisdom and connection with Mother Earth. Mm -hmm. So thank you for blessing us today. And as we leave, I would love for you to be to share a blessing for folks who are listening who might be at that place that you were of knowing that they're being called into something and they might be circling all those bad ideas as well and haven't found that grace-filled one yet or that are in the beginning, just like you were a couple years ago. So close us out with a blessing. Sure. May the wild spirit make its presence known to you. May you trust in this spirit to guide you and to provide for you. And may the deep peace that we find and know in God's creation journey within you and flow from you into the future God has planned. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Church is Changing Podcast is a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Music is by Sanjay Singh. Visit all our podcasts at podcast.umcdiscipleship.org.